Where's Fielder? He's gone to the dog. <laughs> did you push that big red button, Steve? I did. <laughs> that's that's I had the my big red on the button. button. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, I'll tell you a quick funny story. I had a, you know how people. Uh, anyways, this is I'm already we're already not talking about dogs, but I had a little box. I built this little box. In today's age, they'd call it a bomb. You know what I mean? They call on the bomb squad for it. <laughs> but it was a speaker. I was an electronics geek, and it was a speaker that when you push this button, it latched a relay, and so it made this little siren go off. And you couldn't turn it off except for there was a little hole in the bottom. You had to shine a flashlight in that hole to get it to turn off. It was a little gag See. thing. And so you'd, you'd set that box with this big red button, and you put a sticker on it that says, Do not push. You want to know how many people push that button? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like saying sick them to a bulldog, right? Oh, man. I, I, I remember I was in typing class, and I was you know, I was a senior in high school or something, and I had that. And there was this kid typing, and I, I was like, he looked at it, and he starts typing again. I'm like, damn, that's going to be the first kid that doesn't push the button, you know? And I just see him out of the corner of his hands. He got his right hand on the typing keyboard, and his left hand just sl slides over to that button. <laughs> And he pushes that button and goes in the middle of class. You know, everybody's like, "What's that sound? What's that sound?" And this kid is just like locked up, pretending like he's typing, like he can't hear nothing. Oh, oh man, I, I know dogs like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing happened there. Yeah. Exactly. I, well, this could be the uh, class clowns club because I was always pulling stuff like that in school too. Oh. <laughs> I didn't in school, but my famous move was when my buddies would bring their cars in to get worked on at the, the Toyota dealership. I had these real special jumper wires I made up with T-pins so I could basically jump their, their horn to their turn signal. Right. I wasn't a total jerk because if I did it to the headlights, they'd just <laughs> go all the time as soon as they turned them on. But turn signals were pretty sweet because I knew which way they had to pull out of the dealership. Right. And I, I knew that they wouldn't hit the right turn signal until they hit town, basically. So I'd wire that thing up in there. And about a half hour later, they'd be pulling back in. And Doobie, what'd Every you do to this thing? Turn signal on and starts honking. Oh, man. They just kind of knew that it was something you did, right? Yeah, all okay. but one. One of them I had going pretty good for a while. I said, dude, I don't know what's going on. Like, everything was fine. I just took it for a test drive. And he thought he was going crazy. But I finally let him in on the gig. <laughs> yeah yeah like i said when you when you put a, a box with a button that says do not push and that's the only sticker the only thing on it was you had one you had one thing don't push the red button <laughs> everybody pushed the red button yeah absolutely well steve we got you on here steve fielder um we're so this is kind of our intro podcast for you because you're gonna you're gonna do your own podcast what, what are you gonna call it Gone to the Dogs with Steve Fielder. How'd you come up with that title, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> That's the title of the book I wrote. I think uh, back in about 2015, we published a book of essays, particularly. I called them chapters when I first introduced it because people say, oh, what's an essay? I don't read an essay. <laughs> you know, Sounds like English class or something. But no, uh, that was the name that I chose. And there was a couple of reasons for that. And I, and I put a little 
a credit at the beginning of the book to my mother. Uh, we lived in a house where the kitchen faced back toward the, the uh, dog kennels. And mother would be, and had a wide panel of windows there that she could look out across the backyard and toward the kennel. And, you know, like a typical houndsman, you know, well, I'm going to have a couple dogs. And then, well, then I got a litter of pups. And, a couple more. And then, you know, first thing you know, there's a whole kennel of dogs out there. And I can hear my mother on several occasions. My dad had an unusual name. It was Homan. And he got called Homer a lot. But my grandmother named him H-O-M-O-N. I have no idea where she got it. And no one else seems to know either. But... She'd look out across, out the window out there, and she said, Homan, we've gone to the dogs. <laughs> and that was a common expression that I heard as a kid. And then once I kind of thought about that, I thought about, you know, if uh, uh, this might sound morbid, but if I were to have an epitaph on, you know, on a stone somewhere, which I probably won't. A what? But it would be that he's gone to the dogs we're know? gonna have to educate buddy on on what that word means oh <laughs> what is headstones gonna read when he's kicked a bucket I got, buddy <laughs> i got i That's got right. sorry, I was, terms. you're talking yeah, fancy but, words man i'm like hey i epa what, say that one more time we're gonna educate some for our customers epitaph okay <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think if we're going to talk a little bit at some point in this podcast about uh, our intro and all, and I kind of thought about that, too, you know, that uh, it kind of has that connotation that, you know, where where's Jason? Where's Buddy? Oh, they're gone to the dogs. You know, the dogs right. are treed in there. And that's what a houndsman does, you know. He he follows his dog, so I, I guess that's where that came from, Jason. And so bringing up that, um, that's a good point that we're going to, because like I said, this podcast is going to be like an introduction to you, and of course you're going to, you know, people already know you, so they're going to come here, whatever, but um, when, when, when you listen to our podcast, for all anybody new, we try to identify the podcast by the music that's played. So me and Jason, you know, our, our kind of podcast will have one music and then um bear bear and ben and brett ben and now you will all have a kind of a a different intro so that basically we do that so when you hear mine you can be like yeah there's buddy we can just turn that off right now. we can turn that off we don't need to hear him anymore (laughs) but we don't want you to suffer because people don't like me and buddy yammering so we give you different music this this is gonna be a good podcast i want to listen to steve's podcast those other guys, man, we, 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 we can just turn it off. So Not true. <laughs> when, we, when we do this, we're working on your intro right now, and, and, and uh, you've given Shannon some – I mean, you're an author. You're, you're a thoughtful kind of guy. Me and Jason, we're just like a push-the-button-and-go kind of guy, you know? So, so anyways, I'm going to play you what we've got so far. We still need to get your – like you're talking about, the voiceovers and stuff, that you, you've got some important people that you want to try and help you with that, but – Take a listen to this and, and see what Shannon's got so far. This is, like I said, this is really rough. So if well, let's not judge, let's not judge too bad. But we're just throwing everything together. And if you were smart, Steve, we wouldn't do this, right? But we're, we're just like a we're like a real transparent company. We're like we'll show you the crappy part so that you know whenever you listen to the final thing, you'll be like, damn, they did get it right. They didn't mess it up. So here we go. 
Gone to the Dogs intro. Rough cut. This is like hot off the press. Shannon got this done this morning. And I want to preface this. Man, the music isn't right. The the sound isn't right. We got we got to play with a lot of things left, but we're just going to give you we want your opinion. Oh, I already messed up. See? Then he's got to start from the beginning if he wants to get the full effect, I was previewing though. it earlier before that to make sure I didn't screw up, and I, I, still, I still screwed up. Okay, let's try Take Take three. Take two. About here, you're gonna have some voiceovers that you want, which is you're gonna ask like, "Hey, where's Steven? Or no, where's Fielder?" And and somebody's gonna be like, "Hey, he's gone. He's done. Gone to the dogs or whatever, right?" <laughs> That's the idea. And there's gonna be some mystery voices there that our listeners are gonna get an opportunity to try to identify. You'll to, yeah, you'll have to run <laughs> some kind of a, a contest there or something, so oh, you yeah. can guess who they are. Sure, sure. Keep them. I like guessing, the music but... choice. Did you pick that music, Steve, or did Shannon pick it and kick it over to you? I uh, no, I picked that one myself. I got to go through the library and be in my roots. You know, my dad was from Middle Tennessee. Learned to play fiddle at barn dances and all when he was a kid, and and that whole music scene there that that eventually blossomed out of Nashville. Uh, he was kind of on the fringes of that but anyway we always had that kind of music at home and that's the kind of thing that just kind of and i like that little driving you know toe tapping type thing you know you're on the highway the bears tree you know around the block you're trying to get around there crank it up man (laughs) you know (laughs) i had to i don't know it just that's the kind of music that just resonates with me i had to help try to find the gravel sound like because we had there was a lot of highway sounds and and there was some sounds that had like I don't know what kind of truck that is with the music it's hard to hear the truck but it's like you know, I'd hear them be like oh that's a a Nissan and we were trying not to go with like a D- you know I mean there's so many other sounds out there there's like a Peterbilt <laughs> so I'm like they didn't have a sound clip for a, <laughs> they have a 46 <laughs> Ford <laughs> sound clip there or what <laughs> yeah I was like man there's like a bunch of different truck sounds. And it was yeah. kind of, we finally we finally found that one with the gravel and has a little bit of the parking brake so you can kind of tell what's going. You know, what I mean, yeah. that was a challenging thing you put us on, Steve. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. For us to find that sound effect, we I hope you like it because there's not a bunch of we go Peterbilt. <laughs> we got we got round number two as the Peterbilt pulls up. <laughs> well, that's the first time I've heard it, guys, and you nailed it. You know, that was the whole idea of you know a vehicle going down a country road pulling up stopping rolling the window down you know hey where's fielder right uh you know and then the response comes back of course we're gonna have that uh hopefully uh for the next podcast so uh, yeah i don't know if we'll have it on the one that we're on now in the beginning it 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 probably won't just because we're kind of finicky and and shannon does a really good job of like there's parts and you're stuck with it fade down (laughs) we want to make sure it's right because you're stuck with it once it's well you've already impressed me because i thought all we were going to hear today was just the music you know so man you that was a surprise that was a surprise (laughs) for you really great great well steven steve do you go by steve or 
Well, most people know me by Steve. I was okay. named for my grandfather, and he interned for his grandfather. I kind of have a u- unusual middle name. It's Ford. Maybe that's why I drive a <laughs> F one fifty. I don't know, but anyway, yeah. I uh, but uh, the only time I got called Stephen Ford was when I was in trouble. <laughs> it's usually trouble. Steve, you know. So. Oh yeah. Well, how? Let's go back to the beginnings. Like, what got you into dogs? It, the very first thing was it a kid, or or how how old were you? And well, it definitely was in the DNA with me. My dad had grown up on a farm in Middle Tennessee. Had two brothers. Wasn't much for a farm kid to do back during the Depression era. He was born in 1920, and so they, you know, they hunted and they had a couple of cur dogs. And uh, old Pat and Mike, I heard so many stories about those dogs as a kid coming up. And uh, they were squirrel dogs by day and uh, primarily possum dogs by night because there weren't many coon in that area, uh, area of the country at that time. So anyway, Dad always had dogs. And um, he met my mother uh, during the war when he came home with an army buddy and saw a little sister and said, wow, you know, this is cool. And she waited for him till he got home from the South Pacific. And, and she was from West Virginia. She was a coal miner's daughter like Loretta Lynn, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they moved back to the mountains. And my dad just fell in love with that area. He told my brother, he said, when Where I met your mother and moved. Pardon Where, me? What mountains? That's in the southern part of the state of West Virginia. Okay. West uh, there God, are two Virginia. states. Most people don't know this. <laughs> they think when you say West Virginia, you're talking about the western part of Virginia. But it was in, in that coal mining area, a uh, pretty rugged area. Worst place that a coon hunter could possibly live at that time. But anyway, so the dogs were always there with my dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he got plot hound fever in about 1954. So I would have been eight years old at that time. And then from there, then on, it was the focus was on bear hunting primarily uh, and some coon hunting. But yeah, I probably started at about three years old. I I tell the story in the book about riding mules with my dad and a boyhood friend of his who later became the governor of the state of Tennessee, Frank Clement, came down to the farm and brought his boy, Bobby, and Bobby went on to be uh, uh, in the House of Representatives. So those guys uh, made good, and I made a coon hunter, so I don't know. <laughs> what can be you got said the better end, that? Steve. Trust me. <laughs> I, I think so overall, yeah. So how did you get tied into Michigan? Because I've mm. heard your name brought up up in Michigan, some of the guys you know, with the, the bear hunters and, and a lot of guys, they've, they've mentioned you, you know, Mike yeah. Thorman. And all, everybody, everybody speaks mostly good of you, but no. Yeah, but yeah. I heard I'm your sure name in Michigan. So how did you get tied into Michigan? <laughs> well, that all came about after you know I went to college. Uh, it's hard to believe, I guess, but uh, and then got drafted because the Vietnam War was in full swing at that time. And I went in the military in '69 and got out in '73. And when I came home, uh, it, plot days was just around the corner. I got out in July and plot days traditionally was the first weekend in August. 
So my dad always attended that. He was not a charter member, but a longtime member of the National Plot Hound Association. So we, uh, we went to plot days in Flora, Illinois, and I met the president of United Kennel Club, Fred Miller. He had just bought the business that year in February and was going around to all the breed associations, getting to know people and so forth. So I remember shaking hands with Fred and meeting him for the first time. Well, the Plot Association appointed me their breed representative. Uh, And what that essentially meant at that time was that you would go to the rules committee to represent your association in the uh, review of the night hunt rules and uh, make, you know, necessary changes and whatnot. So I met Fred again when I went to Rules Committee, and I did that for a couple years. So I'm trying to make this short. Uh, What happened uh, in 1978, UKC decided to have a world championship for coonhounds. They didn't have one up to that time, and there was a group called the ACHA, American Coon Hunters Association, that had their world hunt, and that was considered the big, the granddaddy of them all. Well, UKC wanted to have a world championship, so they started that program in 1978 and hired field representatives kind of on a per diem basis, guys that would go out and work the weekend at the qualifying hunts. And Fred asked me to do that. So I did, and I did that for about three years. And then in 1980, he offered me a job to come to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and go to work full-time at UKC as a field operations manager. And I turned it down at first because uh, – uh, those cold Michigan winters and all that, you know, it was it was kind of a step. But we continued to, to talk, and then in 1983, I moved my family, uh, my wife and my son, Christopher, who was four years old at that time. We moved to Kalamazoo, and I stayed there, actually, I think about 22 or 23 years altogether. And mostly following a job then. Yeah, yeah. As my dad used to always say, you got to follow the money, you know, (laughs) and and it was it was a job, but it was kind of like a busman's holiday type thing. You know, I I knew uh, that I was moving into some of the best coon hunting and and bear hunting in the country. And so that kind of had something to do with my <laughs> Makes decision. Makes it a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> Mama wasn't happy uh, with the decision at, at all to begin with, but it, it worked out. Yeah. Well, that's because it gets cold up there in the winter. Yeah. And you got chiggers, you got snake. There's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You don't have any snakes in Michigan. The only snakes I ever saw in 22, 23 years in Michigan were a few old water snakes, and uh, they do have a little pygmy rattler. It's called a Massasauga rattler, and but I never saw any of those while I was there. No, no, that's one thing about Michigan hunting. It, it there may be snakes in the UP. I'm not sure about that, but down in the farm country where I was, really? yeah, yeah. And and then from there, you uh. You worked at other registries too, right? Or was that your first? Or Yeah, that was the first. Back in the day, UKC was it as far as registered dogs. If you had a registered dog, it was a UKC registered okay. dog. 
there's a fellow named Jarvis Umfers that was from northern Mississippi, and he is, uh, thankfully, Jarvis is, is still living. But about 1973, he started an organization called PCA, Professional Coon Hunters Association. And it uh, ran under that banner for a while, and then it was ultimately changed to PKC, Professional Coon, uh, Professional Kennel Club. And uh, I had been at UKC for quite a long time. And while I was there, you know, promotions came and so forth. And But right at the end of my days at, or, or career at UKC, they decided that they wanted me to be more involved in public relations and legislative affairs. And so the coon hunt, hunting aspect of it, the events, the working with the field reps, going out to the to the uh, hunts uh, virtually <laughs> 25 or more weekends a year kind of was taken away from me and I was given this this other these other hats to you wear. the political stuff hey, hey, hop in the politics that's the fun stuff right there Steve. oh yeah <laughs> yeah well you know I found <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that work I really did and the work I did with the Michigan, uh, Michigan is such a great state yeah. for uh, organizations. You know, yeah. the Michigan Bear Hunters, the UP Bear Houndsmen, and then of course the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation. And so I, I got to serve on a couple of those boards and got uh, involved in a lot of things politically up there. And I loved the guys and I loved that type of work, but I still missed that that aspect and uh uh so uh a guy named larry meeks who owned a big trucking company in evansville indiana had purchased pkc and uh, in the fall at the world hunt and um by january he had unbeknownst to me had kind of sneaked down to the ukc winter classic in georgia uh, just to kind of see what kind of guy I was, I guess. And a little bit later on at the Kentucky Houndsman Association meeting, uh, Terry Walker, who publishes American Cooner and Full Cry magazines, and, and all, uh, approached me and said, uh, PKC is interested in hiring you. And man, you know, I'd been a UKC man all my life. You yeah. know, that was that was my thing. I knew, uh, due to some changes in events, you know, I was never going to really occupy that big corner office down at the end of the hall. But uh, I had been on the senior staff the whole time I was there, and really loved the organization, and still do. But. Uh, Meeks was pretty persuasive, and, you know, he says, hey, you can live anywhere you want to live. I don't care, you know. I just want you to come aboard and help me do some things I don't know how to do. And uh, Larry was a great guy to work with, and I did. I went to PKC. And, how was uh, the breakup there. with UKC? How, how, how were they? Were they how did cool? it go? Or was that not so cool? <laughs> <laughs> was that like a? Well, it, it's maybe nice now, right? We're the UKC right now. <laughs> well, yeah, the the guys that are uh, at UKC now, and I think they're doing a great job. You know, they uh, 
they took the ball, you know, when I was uh, uh, getting, you know, yards and, and inches, they're, they're getting touchdowns with yeah. the, some of the programs that they're doing now. But um, Fred and I had a special relationship. He Fred was the sole owner, <laughs> proprietor of UKC, and I mean he— but he was a terrific businessman, and I could not have ever been treated better by anyone than I was treated by Fred. Um, I never understood the connotation, but my friend Andy Johnson there that worked there, he said he's like an old Dutch uncle to us. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what that means, but I do know that Fred was very, very good to me the whole time. So I think when I announced to him that I was going to be leaving, it was kind of like a, you know, a, a punch in the gut to him, really. Yeah. And Fred was getting up in years and slowing down considerably. And, and, all, and it was, I hated to do it because I had a lot of a lot of friends, both inside and outside the organization. So, I wasn't the tough. most popular. I mean, those things are really, really tough when you get in those yeah. business relationships. I mean, there's you got vested interest in stuff that you build, and exactly. And at the same time, yeah. if a guy's not willing to move, you you know what I mean. You you get stunted. You know what I mean. Like right. you got to be able to move around in some situations too. Like. Um, so I can, I can definitely yeah. appreciate that's difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. You know, I kind of grew up in an era where a guy went to work in a coal mine or in a plant and he worked there for 30 years or 40 years and he got the watch and the pension yeah. and, you know, that was his lifelong job, you know? And, but now, you know, I think, I don't know what the, the, the average rate is for someone before they, you know, transfer jobs, but it it's like four years, long. I think it's yeah. crazy. So it's a total different deal, but I was a UKC guy, you know, I really did. And I told Larry Meeks going in, I said, I know nothing about uh, these money hunts. I've never hunted in a PKC hunt. He wanted to start bench shows in which money was awarded as prizes. That's the whole premise of the U, uh, the PKC group is to to award money back to the hunters. But uh, you know, it was a uh, it was a learning curve. But we we had some successes there. It, you know, we went from eight thousand members that fall at the World Hunt. Uh, by the time the year was over, we had twelve thousand. So that was like a fifty percent increase in one year, which was pretty decent. But um, yeah, so um, I stayed with PKC for six years. I did remain in Michigan. I kept, uh, although he did hint a few times that maybe I should move to Evansville, but <laughs> I told him, I said, in there, he's like, you live anywhere yeah, you want. Yeah, they set the hook. <laughs> this was funny. How's that we sound, were, Jason? Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, you can be the guy I, that does this and this and this, and then, <laughs> and then whenever the plan rolls out, it's like, this it is not working. familiar. Right. I remember fun. that conversation oh. of, uh, I'm not moving to Washington. You guys can't even <laughs> hardly hunt. When you drive to Oregon, I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So you were well, in PKC for six years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to tell you this one little thing is kind of funny. We would always, after the event, particularly at the World Hunt in uh, Aurora, 
Kentucky with PKC, and that's a whole series of podcasts in itself. One of the most enjoyable times I've ever had around hounds people and all was the PKC World. It went on for 24 hours a day for 10 days straight. I mean, it was a carnival, man. I mean, we had all the food booths outside and all. The only thing we didn't have was a Ferris wheel. You know, I mean, it was was really a fun time. And when the casts were all drawn, we'd typically go out to a local restaurant somewhere. And one night we were eating there, and Larry passed over this little slip of paper. I think he'd torn it off his napkin. And he said, free pass to work anywhere signed Larry Meeks. He knew that I was probably getting a little concerned about he was going to make me move right. to Evansville. So there you go, Jace. Maybe you can, get a, a little bit. you can get a, a pass. I got to go take him to lunch and just slip a little piece of paper over to Jason. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, so Steve, what? let's go back on your podcast. What What's your vision for this thing? What, what are you going to try and do? Well, you got a little time to think about Because I told you, I was like, man, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You think about it some. Yes. You lay it out. I want to say something first to, to anybody listening. This is not my podcast. Like, this is yours. You own 100% of the podcast. We don't own a, a nickel in, in the show. If you crash... You crash on your own. <laughs> and trust me, I've crashed enough that I'm like, whatever. Uh-huh. But I don't want people thinking, oh, we're we're partnering with you or anything. We are you're basically I like people thinking like like YouTube. Like we're gonna you're gonna give us the file, we'll get the edits done, we'll get the preparation done, and then we'll put it on our platform. You know what I mean? So so I just wanna be really clear with people that it's like, hey, this isn't a 50 50 deal or whatever. You don't got to ask me what you want to talk about. You don't got to ask me what's okay. What's not okay. You send it. You know what I mean? And, and when you send us the file, um, the only thing I ask is we don't have to do heavy editing. And if you say something wrong and you want to get it fixed, we can definitely edit it. You know, just, get, just send us a timestamp saying, Hey, at about one fifty-seven, I said Jason was a good guy. I want, I want to take that <laughs> we back. We need to scratch that from the record. That. <laughs> <laughs> Strike that part. Yeah. Um, so things like that, you know, we can definitely do some editing. But our podcast, we try not to. We try to hit that record button and roll with it. We're really transparent, and so um, that's one and of the I, things I think of, Jason. Well, and if I can add to that, I mean, that's kind of the concept of. I'm sure people have noticed like we've been adding podcasts to this feed. And the point in that is, you know, all these people, they own their own files like bear over it, the hunting hound, Ben sheets, tree talking media born a hundred years too late and now gone to the dogs. This is all your content. Right. So if, and the, the reasoning behind that is, you know, there's guys wanting to build a name and, and build a following and, you know, if you're going to build a following, you might as well build it for yourself. So if somebody decided to leave and go off on their own, you know, we just hand over the files and they, it's their yeah. content. And I yeah. think that there's kind of a misconception that these are all four W podcasts. We're just hosting it. You know, this is an umbrella where houndsmen and other dog owners can come and gather around and, and just enjoy. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad that it's a place where you can land and just do your own thing and I think it's going to bring a lot to the listeners out there. Well, I'm particularly thankful and grateful 
for this opportunity with you guys. Of course, you know, you've, I don't have to tell anybody out there about the uh, W brand and the kind of, you know, content that you guys are putting out there and the type of products and customer service and all of that. You know, you, you've well established yourselves in that regard. But this was a real blessing to me because, you know, back when I first got involved in podcasting, I barely knew what a podcast was. I knew it was. <laughs> me, a, me neither, Steve. You and Buddy were on the same, same page, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a recorded uh, uh, show, if you will, or, or I likened it to talk radio that you record and post it to the internet. How that got accomplished, I had no clue. You know, I, I learned a little bit about RSS feeds and all this kind of stuff, but as far as the technical aspects of producing a podcast, this old dog is not up to learning those <laughs> tricks. I can tell you that. So when you, uh, when this opportunity became available, I said, you know, this is really what I've been looking for for a long, long time, and and I, I am just, I don't want to, you know, start a bromance here with you two guys, but <laughs> I am really grateful for this opportunity. Let's just yeah. say that. Well, we the, the cool thing about it is, is is we got Shannon, and she does an awesome job. Like, she has yeah, been really helpful and, and kicking ass on some of this stuff. And I see that already yeah. in a very short time. She's a go-getter. Because it ain't me, Steve. I can promise you that. <laughs> if it was up to me, this would be a this would be a, a rough show. We'd be like, well, that didn't work out so well. That's what I told Steve. I said, Shannon's great because she knows how to translate Jason and Buddy, so she should have no problem <laughs> translating Steve Fielder. Yeah. Because I know I'm a babbling mess of ideas, and she's got to decipher what I actually mean, and she does a good job of it. So. Well, you know, down through the years, uh, I kind of explained in my book, Gone to the Dogs, A Coon Hunter's Journey, about how when I was a kid, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was probably the poster child for ADD or ADHD or whatever. You know, I could never keep my mind on any one thing. Yeah. It would always eventually wrap around to being out of school and in the woods with my dog that was or or on a stream with my with my rod but uh, you know ideas for me have always come a mile a minute i mean they're just i used to have to take a pad and write while i was shaving in the morning to go to work I had to write down things because they'd come real quick but they'd leave just as quickly because <laughs> yeah. there was another one in its place yeah yeah and some of them were good some of them were obviously not but, you know, I, I like to be around creative people. And uh, so, you know, that in itself, to know that you have Shannon and, and you know, and I see already, you know, we threw out this little idea. I expected you to play music today, and I'm already getting the sound effects and everything. So, so, so it's, uh, it's beyond exciting for me. Uh, did you ask me a question about how I plan, what I have planned going yeah. forward? Or did, uh, so yeah. we're going to get to that. So just for everybody's understanding, like if, if, if Steven tomorrow, if you're like, man, that buddy is a jerk. Jason's a jerk. I don't like the show. I'm just telling you right now, and this is, this is for everybody. You're free to go. We will make sure you get your files. Like you own your show 
And I'll even help you try to figure out how to get that on your own platform if you decided you want to do the technicality stuff. If you, ch- if you had to change your heart, Steve, and you wake up tomorrow and you're like, you know, technical stuff just oh, sounds like my cup of tea. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can tell you right now for the whole world, I'm like that guy in the little 500-watt radio station in southern West Virginia. He'd get up every morning, power it up. <laughs> Hello, world. You know, you you just want to push the button and talk. That's all you want to do. I'll tell the whole world right now that that's not going to happen. We're (laughs) going to be just fine. And we're going to hopefully that uh, when you're when you get as old as I am, you got a lot of memories and memories translate into stories, you know. So there's just a lot of those and so if people like to hear stories they're certainly going to hear them and i'm not going to tell them all i'm going to try to root out uh as many good storytellers as i can you know to join me on the podcast but my goal really uh with this thing is to say you know what can we me as the host and the listening uh audience out there what can we learn from this third uh hour, hour and a half that we're going to spend that's going to enhance the experience of hunting with hounds, not only for ourselves, but for the dogs themselves, them too. You know, how can we, uh, and then there's going to be, of course, a smattering of, of, of how can we preserve this thing for the future? How can we take it forward? Uh, you know, what can we do uh, to, uh, man, I, I really enjoyed the uh, dialogue I heard the other day on one of your podcasts about not fighting with people. Uh, and maybe it was you and Clay, buddy, talking. Uh, yeah, I, I don't recall I exactly. But not not oh, with, so uh, much Clay a Newcomb? fight as how yeah. we learn, you know, to communicate with each other. Because, you know, hey, it, <laughs> there ain't enough of us to get in a great big <laughs> brawl out there with the whole, you know, population of the country. Yeah. We got to kind of, you know, put our our thinking caps on and figure out now how can we learn to get along with these people and convince them, you know, that what we're doing is okay. So there'll certainly be some of that. Uh, we'll talk about breeding dogs quite a bit because that was a passion of mine. Um Working with the registries, you know, there at UKC when they decided, uh, I can remember when the first uh, group of people came to us and wanted to present the idea of DNA in, in dogs, uh, you know, to, to prove parentage and, and, uh, and ancestry and, and those kind of things. So we'll get into breeding and certainly training. I always love to train puppies. Uh, that was one of the things I enjoyed the most. And most of the dogs, um, you know, folks can be the judge of whether they were any good or not. But the dogs that I had down through the years were the dogs that I raised and trained myself. Uh, I think I maybe bought a couple of coonhounds in my entire life. So there'll be that aspect of it. And and we'll get into listener questions and people can call in and, uh, you know, and, and say, uh, just like you guys do with your tech tips, you know, sure. when guys are having problems, uh, you know, with their equipment, uh, people have trouble with these dogs, if you've noticed. 
<laughs> Dog's a pretty big piece of equipment. <laughs> and I don't have all the I'm, I'm answers. Call, I got to come out an alias so I can call you, Steve. Like, hey, I got this problem. <laughs> My name's not Buddy. This is somebody else. Sounds a lot it's like kind Buddy. Of, it's kind of funny. When I was in Japan for three years with the Air Force, I had a couple of dogs over there. I had to have some kind of hunting dog, so I got an English pointer pup. Somebody put a, a, a card up on the on the bulletin board. They had these pups for sale, and we had pheasants over there that we could hunt. So I, I trained a bird dog, the only one I ever did in my life, and it wasn't – the results weren't great, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, but – uh, people would come to, they knew that I had dogs and I loved dogs on base. And these guys, I'd get a call and even, you know, my dog, uh, you know, he's off his feed and, and he's got diarrhea and what do I do about this? You know? So I kind of became, <laughs> uh, I don't know, a pseudo vet vet or something, you know, but it's <laughs> just always been about dogs with me. So anyway, you know, health, feeding, uh, Hope to get some of my uh, acquaintances on the show, uh, guys like Dr. Arlie Reynolds, who is a nutritionist up in Fairbanks, Alaska, a sled dog guy, have been uh, fortunate to have him on a podcast before. Just, you know, the whole gamut of hound hunting, I guess, from puppies, training, dealing with training issues, breeding for better dogs, um, and then a whole lot of experiences, trips. Uh, when I was thinking about this the other day, and to realize I've been in the room, either taking the picture or on the mic, uh, or handing a trophy to 26 world champions uh, in down through That's the years, there's a lot of stories that go with that. A lot of stories. Yeah. And one involving my good friend Nubbin Moore is one of the funniest of all that I'll be sharing. You gotta bring him on though. You gotta you gotta Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. I know. I was we were trying to figure out a way. It was really short notice for me with everything going on to get to Oaks this year. And I had to call Steve and tell Nubbins just have a pull off that muscadine wine for me and I'll have to see <laughs> you guys next year. Cause that guy, man, I loved I, I remember we were all going to hook up and go to dinner that, that first night I came out when you were with Houndsman XP mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Mark Zapp ended up, you know, he had some stuff he had to handle and we just ended up coming up to your room with you and Nubbins and sitting around. And I just remember sitting in there and listening to those stories. And I, still to this day, it's like, that was, you know, one of the best two hour periods as far as like in the hound world and hearing stories, that guy just knows how to a tell it. And he's just got this personality that goes for days. He is a really enjoyable guy to be around. I, I, I can't wait to see him again. I never, you know, Will Rogers said he never met a man he didn't like, but I never met a person that didn't like nothing more. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's just that kind of guy. And for, he came, uh, the reason, the way I got to know him was he won the uh, 1984 Autumn Oaks, the 25th anniversary. He'd never been to a big hunt before. He takes his black and tan up to Indiana, wins the whole shooting match, you know. And but <laughs> it's he the was way just, to do it. <laughs> yeah, but he was just such a warm, personable guy, and and down through the years we've just formed a friendship that's just, you know, it, it's golden. I mean. I, 
think the world of the guy. And there's a whole lot more besides nubbin out there, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll be bringing these guys on. But I don't want it to always, I don't want it to be simply a bunch of old guys sitting around the fire talking about the good old days. I do want to talk to the guys that are out there today, you know, doing it and getting it done and what, and how coon hunting has evolved from those days, you know, of the, I hunted with the carbide light when I started and I like, you know, my dad with a lantern and man, then things just went, it was, I think it was, I was trying to think the other day, it was like 1984 or five when I got my first tracking system. Were they even around that early? I got a, it was a wildlife materials, beep, beep deal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, somewhere around that, I didn't even have the receiver, my buddy, uh, Mark Blount there in Michigan had a receiver and I bought a collar and that was my introduction to telemetry. We should find out when those telemetry collars happen. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to know, I bet you like, I think like Ted Craddock had some yeah. that he was using for the fishing game. When There's a guy out. whose name escapes me in Carbondale, Illinois, that built the receivers for everybody mm-hmm. back in those days. Yeah, we should. And I don't think it was a good the, interview. To, you know, I mean, yeah. it might hurt their feelings a little bit now. <laughs> They'd be like, "Well, but we were the we were it back then," and, and they oh, just didn't yeah. move fast came enough. So far, and there the were so concept many... of knowing which direction mm. your dog was was <laughs> yeah. huge. And you didn't know how far <laughs> he was. You know, you normally lied about it, like, "Oh yeah, that dog's like a mile away." Now with the Garmin, you're like. 350 yards <laughs> like well and you don't have to worry about signal bounce with a garmin you know when you take <laughs> off walk in the wrong direction because you're not smart enough to figure out how to read a bounce oh. it, it got a little wild and you learned real quick it was but, you know, crazy in those telemetry that was just you know you got your big companies like wildlife materials i think everybody mm-hmm. knows the blue lunchbox oh yeah but you know there were all those little companies like i'm sure buddy knows butch wheeler you mm-hmm. down here by me, he was making his own, and you know, there's several other companies. It was, yeah, well, Roger Johnson, who was from mm-hmm. Iowa and then moved to, uh, to Missouri with the Johnson collars. But the box that you got when you bought a Johnson collar was made by this same concern there in, in yeah. southern Illinois. They're pretty mm-hmm. basic. But, uh, um, it's a pretty basic platform, really. I mean, it's just a, a radio, like a, a FM mm-hmm. or AM radio. You yep. just have the the fine tuning, and uh, like I said, it'd be interesting to. Like I said, I, there's some people I think that were really early on because of wildlife. I'm sure it was done for wildlife. It wasn't done for dogs. It went from wildlife, yeah, and then exactly. And then we took it from the wildlife, and mm-hmm. we started using it on the dogs, and then right is is what I somebody Ted, developed. Um, yeah, that Yagi antenna, mm-hmm. the directional, directional antenna that we some radio geek somewhere. Up. Yeah, yeah, and and like back but then so, they were the day, man. They were it, everything oh. was high flying. <laughs> you know, it might <laughs> it might be an interview that just it stings a little. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know <laughs> if I'm the guy to give that interview because I'm gonna be like, oh, that burnt, didn't it? That, <laughs> Yeah, and they're going to say, let's go back to those days that were much simpler. I can't figure no kidding. out all this stuff. Uh, no kidding. I was one of those guys that was a little bit hesitant 
to the Garmin bandwagon in the beginning. I was like, man, a battery life only lasts 12 hours. Oh, man, that's not going to work. Oh, man. that. Yep. And then I seen it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> like, <laughs> We'll try this. Oh, yeah, for oh. sure. Well, I'm going through that learning curve right now uh, with the 200i. You know, I, oh. I was a, a Alpha 100 guy, you yeah. know, and I finally – pretty much mastered that i wouldn't say mastered it but you know so <laughs> there's there's levels so, yeah. there's levels yeah, of mastering yeah. and i i can tell you from a lot but of he's different a jedi master <laughs> like many customers like everybody i get a call and he's like oh man i'm so stupid i'm like trust me you're not the stupidest like i've i've had some <laughs> i'm not saying anybody i'm not going to use names but there is definitely levels of user mm. ability on these devices and i think everybody knows that um, so oh, I, don't yeah. I don't think I'm hurting anybody's feelings. Most of the guys that are like on the bottom probably know they're there and they're comfortable with it. And oh, well, but, buddy, buddy, Jedi Master, you are <laughs> exactly. Sure. I'm telling you, I was talking. I don't even know if it's lit, released. J, the one I was telling is, I don't know if the podcast was released or not. But I was telling Jason, I was like, I'm gonna be. I'm going to start revert, you know, like a big buck, you know, starts to revert. You know what I mean? That's going to be me. You're going to see me out there with like I don't nothing learn on a dog anymore. anymore at one point. I'll be like, I've gone to the top and now I don't want to deal with it anymore. So I'm going to like revert back to. But he's um, going to run bells. Yeah, I'm going back to bells. That's it. That's it man. <laughs> well, I've been hearing that a little bit, Jace. You need to get him some time off somehow. Get it's Oh, don't Laura, you worry. Right? Hunting season is among us, buddy. We'll be. Uh, all right. At Friday night camp here for a while, yeah. I think. I'm actually, that's why I got to get off of this really soon because I'm on a thing. I got to go do a thing. And then after that thing, I'm going to go stay the night and I'm going to hunt. So I'm actually going up in the woods. Um, but when after we record this, I'm, I got to hop in the rig. So, um, Steve, is there anything in, in the updates that you want to cover on this? Since we've kind of hijacked your first podcast, it's kind of a joint deal. Um, is there any current events you want to discuss right now? Let, yeah, yeah, table. I do, because right now is just absolutely the most exciting time of the year for coon hunters. Uh, it's world hunt time for two uh, the two largest registries, UKC and PKC. Uh, well, I, I'll rephrase that. PKC has their super stakes, which is their futurity program uh, for pups. Uh, going on right now and then that will be followed by their world hunt and then of course last weekend the weekend before we're recording this uh, the UKC held their zone uh, hunts around the country and uh, now there's 104 I believe dogs qualified that will be going in to um, Indiana this weekend uh, that that we're recording uh, to compete for the world championship title. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. People kind of meeting each other, coming and going. As some of the guys that would maybe have a dog in the UKC hunt and and, uh, and the finals coming up on the weekend, well they're down at uh, Salem, Illinois, competing in the PKC Super Stakes Championship hoping to go all the way with that one. And as they get eliminated, then they're going to, you know, so it's kind of, they have to juggle the schedules at this time of year. 
Uh, but it's just a, a really exciting time, and uh, it comes at a great time for for uh, the new podcast because I'll be able to report all of those winners, all of the happenings that are going on there, and uh, hopefully get uh, these happy, smiling faces. Uh, well, you won't be able to see the faces, but you'll hear the 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 laughter in their voices after they take home these big checks and and trophies and all that goes with that so yeah it's it's just the biggest time of the year really um how much do some of those checks how much do they run how much do they make on they're printed on big paper buddy like (laughs) publisher clearinghouse checks yeah i used to say i make big money those dollar (laughs) bills are about three feet long man (laughs) but anyway uh well in the world hunt, I think typically the PKC World Championship winner is somewhere around forty thousand dollars. Yeah, and uh, and then there you know there are other organizations out there out there right now that are appealing to the next level of coon hunting. There's the pro sport organization that that had uh, the first ever one hundred thousand dollar winner uh, back a couple of months ago. And they just had one here the other day that the winner, uh, Nikki Hale from down in Kentucky, uh, won 50000 So wow. the prize money in coon hunting is out of sight. But uh, it's interesting, too, though, that there's all levels that people can sure. compete on. And there's the youth level, and then there's the local club level, and state championship level, and breed association levels, and all of these things that all comprise this, you know, this crazy sport of competition. Now, are they doing that with a higher entry fee? I mean, is that where the oh yeah, the, the De- funding? definitely, yeah. The six, the hundred thousand dollar hunt was a $6,500 entry oh, fee. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's gotta, the level that to play a game. You, yeah. You don't take answer. a $200 dog is what no, you're saying. No, no. <laughs> and that's one of the things I want to talk about too, is that success in any of these levels or pleasure hunting, bear hunting or whatever is all going to depend on the quality of the dog that you're, that you're hunting you know you can certainly go out and play at the club level with any dog you know but if you want to win which is the object of a game right i mean yeah. mm-hmm. whatever we do we're competitive by nature so so we'll you know we'll talk about that the importance of good dogs and the different types of dogs and and there's been an evolution in our dogs of the type of dog that won back when I started out is not winning today. It's a, a totally sure. different type of dog. So. Yeah, and you're going to cover some of that, I hope. Yeah, in your podcast. You, you should. You, those are all awesome topics. Especially all right, with Steve, the marathon. As we start wrapping up here, we need a train wreck. I mean, you just kind of had a public <laughs> Well, can wreck. I have a commitment here from you guys when we get like a lost ball in high weeds talking about equipment that I might get you guys to come Abs- on absolutely. every <laughs> once in a while, bail me out. Yeah. We can do that. So, so that brings me to a point. So from here on out, I don't say here on out, but for the next month or two months or whatever, I'm out like me and Jason, I want, <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing that intentionally. Number one, because I'm interrupting 
SOB. <laughs> I don't want to take over no. your podcast. I have a problem not just like talking. So, so there's strike number he's one babbling, for me. He's babbling, Steve, is what he's saying. He babbles. You don't want me on your team in the, you know, until you're ready to have me on your team. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. I mean, it's like with one of them dogs, you're going to have to shock me. So <laughs> that's one reason. The other, the, the, the real reason is, is I want you to establish your podcast, your brand, and I don't want to influence that. You know what I mean? Like, I really want you to own this deal. I want you to build it the way you want to build it because I will screw it up for you because I'll have these ideas that don't work. And I'll be like, oh, you should try this or you should try that. Or you? And, and, <laughs> you and I don't want mistakes, to do that buddy? because <laughs> when I do that and it doesn't work, normally I'm just like, oh, that didn't work. And I turn around and go there. But some people... And I'm not saying you are, you aren't, but there are some people that are like, well, that was your idea. And you know, mostly my wife, but <laughs> that was your idea and it didn't work. And, and so I got to take my losses and your losses. So with that said, I'm going to make you, I'm going to want, I want you to like establish your brand, establish your podcast. And when you feel like you got it together, we'll come back. No problem. Well, I'm looking forward to that. You know, I, I used to always say the best ideas I've had I stole from somebody else. So, you know, I'll, I'll probably be getting lots of ideas from you, you got guys. got a pile of bad ideas if you want, Stephen, man. we, we got a list of stuff that hasn't got... worked so far. <laughs> the list of stuff that works is a lot shorter than the attempts to make it work. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I could leave one little tagline, I think, I want, as I was thinking about this podcast, you know, that I want to remind people each episode, hopefully, is that if it gets dark tonight, go coon hunting. Oh, man. Okay? <laughs> and that also applies if the sun comes up, I was, go I was bear say, hunting. I'm just going to say, if it's, or if it's a hunting. night or a day, just go hunting. That's going to be the plan. That's yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> we exclude nobody on this podcast, Okay. Yeah. If you got a hound, if you can hunt field mice, you know, with a chihuahua, we'll, we'll figure out a way to talk about it, maybe. Perfect. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, so, click that stop button in the middle there. That stop button, and that means not I'll be gone, up. right? Not the hang up, the stop. Not, yeah, the not the phone hang Not up. the hang up, just the, just the white one with the red square. We're training Steve on technology. And I do appreciate it, fellas. It's been good. Thank you.